0: You're listening to the sermon audio from The Shore Church, located in North Vancouver. For more information about The Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Uh, it's great to be with you again, and a privilege to serve you this morning. Um, I'd like us to deal with a, a deep question. hope you've had your coffee enough, so you're ready to roll in, on, on what we've got from the Word of God this morning. It's a question that we deal with every day. I deal with it every day, you do as well. And it's something that shapes all aspects of our lives. And it's a very simple question, it comes in two words. Basically the question is this, what matters? What matters? You had a beautiful morning today, you got up, sunshine, you got ready, you got here, you've had a, a busy week with whatever your responsibilities were with life in general. And uh, tomorrow it'll start all over again. But in the midst of everything that goes on, what matters? Had a neighbor where we live who does not know the Lord. One day he came up to me and he asked me the wrong question. He says, is there more to life than this? Do you have an answer? What's the purpose of life? <laughs> I says, do you have some time? I said, I sure do. So the way we go. Uh, but what matters? Because we can get very busy with all kinds of things. There are so many options to us. But what matters? We know that we matter to God, and that's wonderful to hear. And we celebrate the love and what we've sung and we've, in our worship this morning. He's provided for us. He loves us. He guides us. He's made us His children. Um, everything He's done for us richly and, and blesses our lives, and we're the better for it. From the incarnation to the cross to the sacrifice to giving us His Word that we can understand and know exactly what He thinks what he calls us to Uh, the holy spirit he's given to indwell us for his purposes so we we know that he loves and he's got things focused for us but what matters to us what is important to us i think sometimes you lose perspective there's a little line and you've probably heard of it said here and there um, oh that's a first world problem Ever had those those statements? First world versus a third world problem. In other words, get our perspective back online. Some of the stuff that really matters to us really doesn't need to matter to us. An example of what matters to us sometimes in a first world problem, they didn't get our Starbucks order right. Or we get to church and someone, even this morning, has taken your parking spot. And it might be the visiting speaker. I didn't know where you parked, but I took it, so I'm sorry. But in any case, these things sometimes really unsettle people, but we need to reset some perspective. And what are the third world problems? Well, we heard about Iraq this morning that you're praying for as a church. The poverty in our world. Somalia right now, um, dealing with the worst drought they've had in 40 years. and The locusts have come, and they've taken away anything else beyond that. And now Russia is blocking the wheat from Ukraine, so now they have no idea how they're going to feed their country. Not just the neighborhood, the country. Uh, Southern Sudan has 11 million people. Uh, 7.8 million of those people are not sure where their food is going to come in the month of August. Ukraine, people going to sleep each night. And now that missile attacks come in the night, they're not sure if they will die in their sleep. These are third-world problems. These are things. This gives us sometimes a, a shot of perspective, saying some of the things that occupy our hearts, and our minds, we get all unsettled about, um, really don't matter after when you look at some of these things. So, what about our worlds? What matters to us? There are many things in our lives that are precious, um, and so we, we try to prioritize because certain things matter to us more than others. So we will we'll put ahead of other things such things as our marriage, our children. Uh, maybe our career, uh, some things like our house and our finances so we can live, those are very important things to keep going. But then there's other things that we have in our lives that are not as important, and we, but we enjoy them a lot. So I enjoy the things I have, and as do you. In fact, uh, when you hit a midlife crisis, I'm past that midlife crisis, so I missed it, but a lot of people in their midlife crisis, the guys have to seem to go buy a red sports car. That's what I've been told. I couldn't do that, so the best thing I did is recently I bought myself a red e-bike. That's as far up the scale that I could go. But I'm enjoying that now, and so it's a lot of fun. But those are some things that come into our lives, and and they're not bad. In the midst of the things I've said, though, how high is our faith in God in that list? Is God number one in our lives? Is the things that matter to him, are they precious? It's great to have our faith, and, and to some of you, and maybe all of you, uh, knowing Jesus is the most important thing in your world. But there are some Christians where it's just nice I got salvation, but I'm moving on to other, many other things. The challenge by answering this question what matters to us, by it we invest in what matters to us. In other words, we will spend our time, our money, our efforts, our thoughts on those kinds of things, um, things that might be ahead of us, that next car or our plan for a house renovation or travel or maybe in a more practical sense, maybe retirement. And with those things in mind, they matter to us, so we work towards them. So we work hard, we set aside things, we save. Sometimes we do without certain things so we can save. We think about them lots, we plan the details around it. What's really good is we get excited about those things and we talk about it, we research it, and then ultimately we all do it. We start counting down the days until we're going to realize those things that matter to us. But that's the same thing as it relates to what matters to us that should matter to us because it matters to God. Those things that matter to God, do we work hard towards them? Do we give up to make sure those things go forward? Do we think a lot about them? Do we plan the details? Are we excited about the things of God? Do we talk about them because we're so excited about the things of God? And do we count the days where those will be realized? So let's let's consider what really matters to us by considering this. Where does what matters to God fit into our world? Do we know what matters to God? Does what matters to God matter to us? I get we get a glimpse of this by reading our passage we want to look at today. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Just that one verse I'd like us to work on this morning. So if we can read that together, Matthew six thirty-three. I think it should come up on the screen here. Basically, a simple verse, you've seen it and heard it before. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This comes out of a context of what's called the Sermon of the Mount. And there are other pastors, I believe, that are speaking this summer who are touching into Matthew's chapter six and seven. So you're getting a whole bunch of that Sermon on the Mount context. Message that talk about what is important to God, things like the Beatitudes, these things are, are blessed. Uh, he talks about being salt and light. He puts this in a context where he says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Do not have the love for money. Do not be anxious about life. Realize that God will provide for us. And out of all of this, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And this is the foundation to it. We know that whatever God asks of us, it's best for us. Isn't that right? Because he wants to enrich our lives, and therefore he calls us to these things. So, what is the kingdom of God? Well, I'd like to just go over some things that are probably familiar to you, but may the Spirit of God just revitalize these things in our hearts and our minds this morning. Let's consider the amazing, vast kingdom of God, my first point. There's a lot of Bible references to it, so you can search it all over the place. It starts, it talks about the kingdom of God begins, the kingdom of God ends, it's around us, it's in us, it's yet to come, it's future. So there's many aspects to it. First of all, we know the kingdom of God is an extensive, eternal plan. A plan whereby he aims at millions, and probably even by now billions of people will have their lives redeemed through the precious work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. A plan whereby people who were once separated from God are now reconciled back to the Father. Lives that are being transformed. And you're watching people who, who were once this way over here and God is changing their lives and they're becoming a new creation in Jesus Christ. Old things are passing away. People moving from bondage to sin and to darkness and they're moving into light and hope and peace and victory over sin and death something where we as followers of Jesus Christ have the opportunity and the privilege to work alongside the power of of Christ in touching into people's lives. He's filled us with his Holy Spirit, so we use our spiritual gifts, empowered by the Spirit, to transform and touch people's worlds. This is the plan of of the extensive eternal plan. And if you ever want a purpose in life, which a lot of people are searching for, this is it, to come alongside to help touch into people's lives so they are transformed in a way that they are transformed forever. That's the plan. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, it says, this plan was created and designed before the world began and and, and will play itself out on the earth. God, for 6,000 years from the time of Adam to present, has been working on fulfilling that plan, touching into people's lives, showing and teaching them the bible lines out detail after detail from adam and eve in the garden and the fall to the cross of jesus christ to one day the church is raptured and taken to be in heaven forever and with that we get to be part of this kingdom think of it one day a whole new heavens and earth the bible says it says the heavens that we know the sky the stars is going to be rolled up like a cloud And the earth that we are on is going to pass away with a roar and fervent heat, and a new heavens and a new earth are coming into place. That's why we need to believe that creation is six days, because if it's the case that God needed billions of years, when he rolls up the heavens, do we have to wait another couple billion years to put another set of heavens in place, another earth in place? No, God creates instantaneously. But that's coming. A kingdom be realized. And anyone is welcome through the faith in Jesus Christ. People just need to come to Jesus. And if you haven't come to Jesus, you're outside of his kingdom at this point in time, and you need to consider that step of coming in to be part of it. And for this kingdom, the plan is that there is a group of people on earth who are to be in mission, engaged to helping this kingdom move forward, and that's called the church, and that church is you and me. It's not the organization. It's people. So that's the plan. Secondly, it's a deep and precious investment. God has a lot in on this, and he's really counting on things going forward. His greatest investment is his son, Jesus Christ, and the cross, which we'll remember at the end of our service this morning. In love, the Father sends the Son. And Jesus invests by giving up the glory of heaven that he's known from eternity past, and he's moving into a world that he's created, and he's taking on the form of man to only face misunderstanding betrayal by those close to him, injustice, mocking, beating, cruel death on a cross, and over six hours hangs on it in public humiliation and finally, after excruciating pain, dies. And the father looks on as his son suffers. The father has a huge investment in this kingdom plan. And the cross is central and necessary to make the eternal kingdom plans possible and a reality. And with it comes the greatest win because sin and death will be defeated and people can be reconciled, brought back into an eternal relationship with the Father. The third thing about this kingdom is it's, it's the enjoyment of God now and forever. To think of the fact that the God who created the world, who now sustains everything, who's engaged in all the people in all situations and sovereignly over control of nations, personally wants to engage with you and me. This is the kingdom, its people. And at salvation, we're reconciled to the Father and we do life with the Father and one day we will enjoy being in the glory of his presence. We can't fathom, but we know this much, that if we were to go there, we would be consumed because we can't handle it in the state that we are. But we're going to be transformed into a way where we'll be able to come into the very presence of God and not be consumed in an instant. Our hearts can be set on this along with that sense of that enjoyment of God. Fourth one day, heaven will be fully realized that 's the aim, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, beautiful and amazing revelation twenty one twenty two go there and read the description you 've heard of it. I like to compare it this way. Um, think of the most beautiful place you have ever traveled, and you 'd say i 'd go there in a heartbeat because it 's just so wonderful okay if you don 't have one of those places, maybe you 've seen the brochures about Atlantis and the Bahamas or something like that beautiful place, beautiful. Palm trees and sands and clear ocean water and just beautiful temperature and luxury to enjoy to its fullest, heaven surpasses any of those places. One day, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, it will be realized. And with it, there'll be no more sorrow, no sickness, no pain, no crying or death forever. And if we want to know more about the kingdom, we go to the Bible. The who, how, when, where, why is understood about the kingdom. And if you want to know the kingdom, become a student of this book. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, we need to be workmen, not ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And then the sixth point about the kingdom is that we need to pray, longing for the kingdom to come. In Matthew, it also talks with the Lord's Prayer in our context. And in there, the prayer is, our Father that's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. A focus upon God. What's the next thing we pray for? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the first thing that we can that, that we pray for. After that comes, oh, give us our daily bread and, and lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Those are secondary. The first thing he's looking for us to pray for is that the kingdom will come. It'll be realized in our lives, but it'll be realized soon with the return of Jesus Christ. Do we pray that way? Right now the world is going bad. Have you noticed lately? <laughs> it's going from bad to worse to wrong to evil. The, the good of, is becoming uh, sorry the evil of the past is now good and the goodness of God is becoming evil. All those children, I, I, I think of the, the world in which they're growing up in, the fear of what's the, the things that they're going to have to face if they're not already facing. And you as parents have such a challenge to, to guard them and teach them beyond the morality that's falling apart. I, I, the Bible says the world just before Christ returns is going to be as bad as it was in the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, there was only eight righteous people on the whole of the earth. That means people had turned away from God. He was not a factor in the world. We're approaching that. But this whole thing of the kingdom, do we desire it so much that we pray, Lord Jesus, come. Is that, is that in our hearts and our minds of anticipation? Do we see it? Do we value it? Is it important? Because I think if it is, if we grasp it, the second part of this message becomes an easy step, and that's where we say, it says, seek the kingdom first because it matters most to God. How do we seek things if something we want to go after? Let's put it this way. We live in a world where we need a car of some sort, usually to travel. I know we're trying to move towards buses and Sky Trains and things like that, but invariably in in our North American context, we, we find ourselves needing a car that's reliable in transportation. So we seek out the next one we want to get. So we go online to get as much understanding about that what it, that is. And there's a parallel here, if you listen for it, between seeking the kingdom and seeking a car. I don't make the no comparison on the end product, okay? Um, but we go online because we want understanding about it. And we sharpen our focus of what we're going to go after. We we know what we like, we know what we value, so we want those pieces that are there. Then it takes time to go to the dealership, and we might spend 30 minutes at a time talking with them about cars to understand and know more. Once we know that, now we have in-depth the value of the things we want, and now we count the cost. And today, what are they? Forty to to $100,000 or more even at times? And we consider saying, yeah, I'm going to pay that. We count the cost. Or if we can't pay it outright, we start saying, it's worth enough, it matters to me enough that I will spend the next three to seven years in a commitment paying this thing off. Because we, it matters to us and we desire it. And then we go to the dealership And we push by intensive discussion, trying to convince them to take our offer so we can take that thing home. And then we sign on the line, and it's ours. And then we find out, as you take it off the lot, it depreciates by one-third or something like that. And and within three to eight years, you have to do this all over again because it's worn out. So those are things that matter to us, and we will take all that energy and effort to pursue those things. Does the kingdom of God matter to us that we would put that intensity of search forward. How do we seek? I believe we seek, first of all, by desiring to know, to pursue, and to engage. We want to know about the kingdom of God. We are... We should not be okay being uninformed about the kingdom of God. He's laid so much here for us to understand it. He wants us on the same page with him, understanding the kingdom of God. We need to know our Bible. Secondly, we need to go after the kingdom of God. We need to pursue it, be engaged with it, work towards the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 says that we are to be ambassadors we're supposed to be God's representative in this world for his purposes and for the kingdom, spreading the truth of God on his behalf. And the chosen method of kingdom development is us. And we need to have a heart of passion where it's important to us, important that we are. this kingdom of God is so important that we, we want to talk to people about it. Are you convinced enough about it that those people need to know about it? Do we step up and serve with the spiritual gifts? Do we give our time, effort, our abilities, even our finances to advance the kingdom of God? It's more than just doing church and attending church. The challenge is we are, there are distractions that keep us from having it first. God says, seek first the kingdom of God because he knows we won't necessarily keep it first. It's a challenge to us. There's many things that call to our attention, other things that want to preoccupy and be number one in our lives. And it can be good things. It can be our career. It can even be our family. It can be our children. It can be our spouse, where we put that ahead of God. And then there's wealth and houses and cars and things and toys and position and power and properties and travel. Um, whatever, it can, it, can, it can supersede what God wants us to, to seek first his kingdom. I find it's interesting as a pastor and, and counseling people and families over 40 years, uh, you watch them and if they, they sometimes are so focused on their family that they move God's things out of the way. And as they try to put them first, they t- often don't follow God's instructions, but they follow other ideas from our world. And then they struggle with raising their kids or, or putting their marriage together because they've got things out of balance because they were making it first and not God first. Because see, when God is first, he will tell us how we do our lives. But sometimes we don't like God first because he tells us to do things in here that we don't necessarily like in those moments. But they're the very solutions to the challenges that come at us. We need a heart of passion that's ready to serve and step up and push those things into their rightful place. These of those things are not bad. In fact, God blesses us with all of those things. And here in North America, there's a prosperity that has allowed us, and God allows us to enjoy those things. The problem is when we set them in a higher priority than seeking first the kingdom of God. The next challenge, and this is one that's coming to us because of the time in which we live, and that's, I call it, the challenge of Laodicea. In the book of Revelation, there are seven church eras, and we've completed the first six, The last one to come is the church era of Laodicea. It's a risk for people who follow Jesus because they are not passionately engaged. Here's Revelation chapter three, fifteen to seventeen. If we can read that together, here's what it says: "I know your works; you are neither cold nor hot. Would you that you were either cold or hot? So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth." For you say, "I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked." A sad account when you look at the other churches of Revelation. But it's one, I think, is the time in which, just before Christ returns will become the reality. And we can feel rich and prospered and not in need of anything. But we have to watch and guard ourselves that we don't fall into that state of being poor, blind, and naked. It talks about the end times, too, in Second Timothy 3 and verse 4, and this verse says it this way, people will be treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That last section, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These are the distractions that can come. Matthew 24, 9 to 13 it speaks of the, the the church as well. It says they will then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. See that believers are falling away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness, will be increased. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. If you catch that, the love. Of many, In one version it said, the love of most will grow cold. I don't like that idea. Does that fit with you okay? That our love for God would grow cold? But that's the, the concern, that, that that's what's going to happen. But there's always been a remnant in God's timing of people who stay true to the word and true to following him. But if we seek the world more than God, we will fall away. And then the last point of why we seek it first, because there is so much at stake. The many who are lost in our world. They're family members. Their names and faces are in front of you right now. There's friends, there's neighbors, work associates, maybe even some people that you meet along the way. And, and and they're good people. I know of some a bunch as well. and And You think of it, I I don't want them to be missed when it comes to heaven. And I don't want their lives wrecked right now by sin. And God says we can be part of the kingdom work by letting Jesus Christ speak through us that they may be saved, sparing the pain now as well as eternal loss. And what's at stake? It's not just missing the kingdom of God. It's not just missing heaven. Because one day those who miss heaven find themselves in hell that real place of weeping, gnashing of teeth, of pain, sorrow, and darkness alone forever. And what's sad is, as you walk, and this always hits me, you get into Vancouver or on the streets that you're here, where where I live as well, and you walk down or you drive around, and there's people, 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 and the majority of them are lost. And God still loves them. He's not willing that any of them should perish, but that all would come to repentance. We have to seek first the kingdom of God and feel the urgency. Someone has to tell them. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 15. says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him on whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear with some, without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You want beautiful feet? <laughs> take the gospel. We have to because of the urgency of the time in which we live. The challenge is we will either seek God's kingdom first or we'll be busy on building our own kingdom over God's. The second thing he calls us to, and that is that we should be concerned of who we are. Are we righteous? Now, we know that when we are saved, God imparts his righteousness to us so that we are seen by God through the cross as righteous. But what's happening here is God is talking about the practicality of it living out in our lives, where there needs to be a righteousness of who we are. What it is all about, it's the high value that God desires for our lives, that we would be righteous people. Jesus came to take away our sin, not to allow us to play with our sin. And he wants us to be conformed into the image of Christ growing and changing. A process of moving in that direction. 1 Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16 calls us to be holy as he is holy. Are we moving in that direction? Is that a pursuit? Are we seeking that along with the kingdom? Are we seeking to be a righteous people, a holy nation? We need to keep this world in its place. It is unrighteous and it's passing away and is set for destruction. But righteousness has a value to us. If you want to read something good this week on righteousness, read Psalm 119. There's so many statements about the value of righteousness. We are free from guilt when we are righteous. That means we're blameless. No one's looking. We don't have to look over our shoulder what's coming next. It's the basis of joy. When we are right with God, our lives are characterized by righteousness, and along with that comes the fruit of the Spirit of things like peace, joy, love, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Righteousness is a great aid. It is the ultimate coping aid. We don't need alcohol, medications, shopping or eating, whatever your coping system is. Um, Hearts and minds can be at peace when we are, are pursuing and living in righteousness. Are we in pursuit of it? Does it matter to us? It reminds me of, of an illustration, and that is many, many years ago, I canoed on the Bow River in Banff, and it flows pretty strong. And when you go upstream against it, you've got to work really hard to make any kind of headway. And the moment you stop paddling, your canoe starts going downstream. Well, we're in the Broadway of the world stream, and it's going this way, and we are trying to go this way in pursuit of righteousness. And all we have to do is to end up where we don't want to be is to stop paddling. Unless we continue to seek righteousness, if we decide to coast and drift in our spiritual walk, we will start going where we do not want to end up. 1 Peter 8, 5, 8, says, The enemy of our soul is seeking whom he may devour. The battle is on. Romans 12, verse 9 says, We are to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Cling, intentionally grabbing a hold with intentionality our words, our actions, our thoughts. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders, that would limit us, and the sin that so easily entangles, and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have to go after righteousness. We know all that God asks of us, all that he calls us to, is for our good. And how we can be so free to put the kingdom of God and his righteousness first is because the last part of the verse, and that's where he says, and all these things will be added to you. My last point, reassurance, God will provide all these things. And what are these things? You can read the rest of the context of verses 25 to 32. But basically, he says, don't worry about what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, or the clothes you're gonna put on. You don't need to worry. Those are the basics. Where's my next meal? I need, I need something to drink within three or four days or I start drying up, and I need clothes to be covered. So the basis God will provide if we will seek him first. He says the secular world, or he calls it the Gentile or the pagans, they go chase after all these things, all the things that are out there. That's what their, their focus and their aim is. We can get caught up to be like them, but we need to be different from them. But because they chase it, they get anxious and they worry about those things. But we do not need to be anxious about anything. There's so many people who struggle with worry, anxiety, fear, despair, depression. Here's a remedy that helps in our mental health. Go after righteousness. Be right with God. Be right with people. Be right within ourselves. And you'll find that peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards what? our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You might think, if I go after the kingdom first, will I miss the rest? I believe the answer is no. God is faithful. Join God in his kingdom work, and I believe he will also find blessing as the Father knows how to give good gifts. Now, we don't swing the pendulum the other way. We can sometimes uh, think, okay, now I'm really going after God, I'm all in notice the verse that it says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness okay that doesn't mean you don't seek the other things just don't seek them first we see we have a responsibility before god and he teaches us this to still love our spouse parent our children be diligent in our work be wise in our finances obey the various things that god teaches in the word of god see it's not just a faith in god and everything's gonna be fine and we throw all care to the wind It's a balance of putting everything in its perspective as God teaches us. So what matters most to us? We decide every day. Tomorrow you will start your day. And you already have responsibilities. But may in your heart and your mind, may there be one piece that starts with you. And that is what will be part of the kingdom of God in your day. And don't forget to seek that part. What should matter most to us if we consider ourselves as a christian a devoted follower of jesus the one who says we love god with all our heart our soul our mind and our strength then we will value the kingdom of god in its vastness and its wonder we will keep it in our mind we'll make sure that it's first in our lives we will seek it by engaging with it with our lives i would encourage you check with pastor jare i love your help with whatever is happening in this church short church Its aim is to advance the kingdom of God. To be engaged with him, with Pastor Jerry, will help you to move things forward. And then pursue being the person that God wants you to be as you pursue righteousness. Always less of the world and more like Jesus. That's our pursuit. Laodicea may be around us, but we do not have to fall to it. We can stay passionate for the kingdom of God. I'll invite our worship members to come to the front as, we, as I close here with just the last couple of few statements. You see, once we pursue this, then all we do is trust God. We need not worry about the rest of all these things. God knows what you need. God will provide what you need. So let's passionately pursue first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great thing that you have put in place, the kingdom, your kingdom. It is so vast, so significant, so valuable to us, so rich in so many ways. Forgive us for when we forget about it. Move our hearts to remember all that you have invested. We are thankful that we have received so freely your love, your provision. But may our hearts be moved that we will join you in your mission and seek the kingdom to engage, to serve, to give, whatever it is that you would call us to, that the kingdom of God would be real to us, that we'll be excited and passionate about it, and that you will use us, Lord, to touch into the lives of the people that are around us, the people that matter to us, from our children, to our family, to friends and neighbors that there'll be more who'll join in on this kingdom of God, and, and we will rejoice forever on the day in which we will realize all that you've provided. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.